This is a conversation I had with Flower Essence mentor Ruth Toledo Altschul. The one thing I would really want to ask you about is um, so you do you work with the flower essences and it seems like you have vast experience in that field of flower essences and one of the things I found on your website and you kept referring back to one article which was about uh, the archetypes of flowers and I personally am incredibly fascinated by archetypes and one of the things I am most fascinated by is how do different people actually perceive archetypes because I think there are these incredibly unique ways that people are aware and in connection and perceiving archetypes so the, the the question or maybe the introductory question I have for you is how do you perceive the the archetype of a certain flower. How are you aware of that? Yeah, this is um, there. What I can say to to your question is that the archetypal language it brings up these kind of core meanings that are almost like a universal language that permeates culture and stories. And there's, there are some specific qualities that are at the core of each one of these archetypal aspects like say or moments or beings that resonates for people on something that is within them and that is within the collective in some ways as well maybe each person brings a particular way that they color that or they dress that but there's something in common that resonates and that allows for conversations and meaning as we communicate with one another and as we share our stories and journeys i'm, I'm really fascinated listening to you because your hands keep on making this like this as if it's something really central and then from that it expands is, is, is that how you experience it yeah yeah and 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 in studying you know archetype the meaning of the words so there's that source initial thing so that would be this movement <laughs> what is at the core and then how that is expressed and how it gets translated <laughs> and is there in your past or also in your present um, is there a certain archetype 
that you were exploring and where you had a certain experience of, ah, that's what this flower is about. That's what this plant is about. Did you have a moment like that? I imagine you did. <laughs> oh, it's been an enchanting journey of finding the expression of soul experiences revealed in the gestures and expressions of plants and how we can make analogies and learn lessons and then feel that that awe in that understanding of these correlations. So it's that the way I hear that is in connecting to a certain plant. There is that plant can um, activate or remind or I don't have the perfect word for it, but it can bring alive in us that soul experience that you called it a meaning earlier, like that, that, that space that we can experience. Is, is that how you, how you experience it? Yeah, I'll give you one example. Just a few days ago, as I was explaining this archetype to a person, and that was the archetype of the oak. It had to do with something that this person experienced. And as I was describing the oak tree that harbors all these different species of critters, it sustains all these different living beings under its huge canopy and it feeds so many with its nuts and there's so many different beings living in these little, little holes in its trunk and all of that. But because that archetype is one that's always taking on more and always giving and providing but sometimes it's not one that takes equal care of itself and its own needs. And that's the balance that's needed. So how can you be this huge provider while at the same time not doing that at the expense of yourself and of your own vitality? and needs and, and the person gets it because it's just oh yeah i can relate and if you're willing to share like even while you express this how do you experience that in yourself what 
Yeah. Um, it's almost like we internalize that beingness. We feel it. It comes alive in us. And in that way, we're able to convey it. And the other person also feels it alive in them. Yeah, maybe just to share what happened in me when you were just describing the oak. I had this feeling of something incredibly grounding in me. And if, as if something became wide, it's almost as if my trunk became wider. Just this sense of warmth. And I don't know if you experience anything like that, but that was what happened in me. So I'm so curious. Um, how do you experience that beingness, that oak beingness? Yeah, it's kind of like you described and it expands even more to the invisible aspects of it as well. So there's one aspect that's how it exists in, it's grounded in physical form, but there's also one aspect of how it also has these other dimensions of being in the invisible realm as well. So think of this oak being connected with the fullness of the earth through these wide root systems and with the cosmic rhythms of the seasons and the moon and the sun. And I could just keep on listening to you. It's very fascinating to listen to you. And it, it seems, at least to me, it seems like there is a joy for you when you talk about this. I don't know if that is the case, but. Yes. Um, and I think what you probably feel is this um, sense that in sharing these things, I'm really doing what I came here to do. <laughs> to, so it just brings me to life and that also kind of resonates out, I imagine, yeah. yeah. So um, in your experience, what what can happen when people on a soul level kind of connect to these archetypes? What is it that you, that, that in your experience can happen through that? There is an awakening of the wholeness of the archetype, almost as if, you know, you, you mentioned the the line, the vertical line and the, and the expansion movement as well. It's almost as if when they connect 
with the wholeness of the archetype, whatever has been kind of congested, whatever was there that was congested or that was obscuring the possibility of that archetype expressing itself in its wholeness and aliveness is shaken awake, almost as if it awakens the possibility of wholeness. So you may sometimes be in the oak case only experiencing the tiredness of so much responsibility of caring that so many burdens for so many people that you're kind of like, okay, I do it, but, and then the wholeness of the archetype awakens the beauty of it, the other sides of it, the generosity, the richness, and also, oh yes, I can take care of myself as well, so I can rejuvenate to truly enjoy offering, giving of myself in this way, now in more wholeness. Something mm. like that and more. <laughs> yeah, the the thing that resonates in me in that is that there is an awakening to a wholeness in it, which I imagine includes what was happening before, but it is a, but transforms the nature of it. So yes, I was offering all of this holding, but it was tiring. And afterwards I may still be doing that, but it's coming from a different place in me yeah yeah you really perceived it and it came alive in you the experience of it yes. yeah in in your work what's what's the What's the teaching, what's the transmission that you can get across that you find most satisfying? Like after what, if, if somebody has a certain kind of experience in your presence or in a course or a session, what leaves you inside yourself going like, yes. It is the fact that we're gifted with so many of these moments of awe in which we experience the fact that there is something greater than us that is operating here and that something very deep within the person that is very soulful, that is very much about what's most significant, about what they came here to be and do, it becomes present. And also 
reaffirms and confirms this same thing in me. So we're, we're like in awe at the mystery of this bigger process that's happening that has brought us together and is allowing the alchemy that is unfolding in this moment. I don't know if this means much to you. It probably does in some way. And it makes, it reconnects to what you said in the beginning about meaning that, that each archetype has a meaning. And it, in my words, it would probably be something like each archetype contains a truth and the different truths of the archetypes may be very different, but they're all true. And different people are embodying and delivering different truths in a way. And I imagine if that comes alive, that that's very meaningful for you, if something like that comes alive in another person. Yes, and, and it goes also into soulfulness, which is the presence of this depth that each individual soul spark really holds. There's this substance, there's this depth, there's this, um, this big journey that is in there as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, my 15 minutes are up. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very, very much for, uh, yeah, for answering my questions. I feel very, very blessed to have had this opportunity. And you now have 15 minutes that are really about you and your current exploration, in which I'm happy to listen to you, happy to ask a few questions, but it's really about your, yeah, your exploration. Okay, well, I will bring in something that I'm, that I'm exploring right now in this moment, which I think you will be a wonderful person to assist me in this. I am creating a, bod a, a, a piece of work course and the, the main topic is creative thinking aligned with nature. And I'm looking for a way that I can begin to bring in how much just your simple nature connection is already healing and um, integrative in some ways. And you can take it further by 
bringing in the flower essences to begin a process of opening up more of this ability to become more connected to to decongest areas of blockage so that then this connection can be much more fluent and even deeper and as we operate from this place of more fullness in our connectivity creative thinking is just a natural consequence what uh, what do you hope that people can take with them if they if they really get that if they really experience that yeah i hope that they know that just the understanding of this and the practice simple practices that they can do is already healing even if they don't want to go the step further of taking the flower essences they can still experience a lot of benefits which begin immediately as they begin just stepping out and and aligning themselves with the presence of the trees and when they have that restorative presence and they maybe even find that creativity what then what's yeah thanks for asking it in that way so so as they suddenly feel that connectedness ah it's just it brings them to this sensation of feeling alive feeling more integrated and therefore and i think we actually use the words you know inspired and and inspiration and it's related to the breathing but the breathing and the trees you know we're so interconnected i mean quite literally yes literally. <laughs> exactly so what i'm really what what kind of strikes me right now because i imagine if this is a course you want to you want to offer um i i really get the wholeness aspect and i fully get the also the connectivity the presence um i don't fully get the step towards the creativity yet yeah, that's that's a place where i'm i'm like hmm. Like I, I, from personal experience, I even know that they are connected, but 
for some reason there's it's like a, a step on a staircase that's too big for me to take right now well i love that that's the way it makes you feel because that would lead them to the next chapters that would make them curious to where is she going next from here <laughs> right? so that's perfect that's just what i would want because what i wanted in this in this conversation is helping me to to ground it to to kind of articulate it is i wanted to make a link between talking about what are we losing from being disconnected from nature and then entering into flower essences but i wanted something in between that would begin taking people into the journey but not quite and then they want to know what's next yeah so the the thing that kind of keeps popping up in my mind goes back to what you shared in the in the first 15 minutes is this point of meaning and wholeness and that i imagine that 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 might be a really good connection point as well this point of in my personal experience when i'm in nature there is a natural meaning there is a meaning that that's not cognitive, but that's obvious. Yeah, I love the way you, you phrased it because, yeah, we step into the natural world and there everything is interconnected. You know, the, the bees are pollinating the flowers, the roots are interconnected with one another, even though we don't know it, but they are, you know, and so there's all this interconnectedness is vividly happening around us it's always there anyway but when we are enclosed in our separateness in our in illusion our of walls. separateness <laughs> well it's good it's cozy but it's the illusion that we're separate and yet when we step outside, we realize, oh, no, we're actually part of this integrated thing. We've never been separate, really. And like, oh, it's this yeah. remembering. Yeah. And, and so I'm getting a bit inspired just listening to you now. Um, the thought I just had is also in one way, nature is creativity embodied nature is constant creativity because the opposite is it dies and then yeah. so in a way connecting is connecting to creativity to the force of creation yeah and even from death new life is nurtured as well so but it is the ability to create and recreate yes hmm. 
I think we got it. I think I have <laughs> I have my bridge thought for my for my chapter that was missing. <laughs> oh, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. And it does seem to inspire you as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it was great to be able to to take the thought, to bring the thought here today, <laughs> it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have any more around this thought or does this feel complete or? Yeah, this feels complete. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I would love to make it very simple hmm. because this, um, the suggestion that I want to bring is you can do it any day at any time. Just uh, get yourself switched back on into interconnectedness by stepping outside and breathing in and being with the living world being in the living world. Yeah. And begin to experience this with more intention and awareness every day. Yeah, and I mean, the, the stepping into that doesn't have to be flower essences. It can just be even the visualization of a, of a tree's roots, of a of a, a plant's roots. Exactly. And, and, and then um, when you can't be outside and let's say you're back to your job and you're there for many hours, but you can call it in as you're uh, suggesting and, and bring it in to, to help align you. back into wholeness and interconnectedness yeah and just out of one of the things that you said also really deeply resonates with me which is this in one way we we may live in a way as if we are separate but at the same time, in a much more profound way, we never are and we never were. Look at what happens to a city when it's left for a year. <laughs> it's, um, but just this knowledge, or, and knowledge not in the cognitive knowledge, but knowledge can really change perspectives. Yeah, and, and my, one of my cutting-edge questions that was a more kind of long-term one is, and when does this become fully embodied as something that we hold as just natural, that we're doing it without intentionally determining we're going to practice it? Mm -hmm. So. 
That is a very deep question, I would say. Do you have a perspective on that? Yeah, I may have. Um, in that the more the soul has developed a habit, let's say, of withdrawing, of not being very present, um, the invitation for being present needs to be happening repeatedly. And there may be different stages of healing needed. And so it, it will really depend on the journey for each one and for each issue as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. What I find fascinating about that question you're asking is that in one way, this is a very, very similar question that meditators ask about consciousness. When do we kind of ground ourselves in non-duality? And it's, it's fascinating that you ask in a way, the same question, yet from a very different place and from a, coming from, yeah, it seems like it's coming from a different place and yet the same place. Yeah. Yeah, because you're, uh, you're making reference to a question that has to do with intentional practice done on a long-term basis and when does mastery or enlightenment <laughs> whatever yeah yeah and yet it all has to do with how practice really helps the embodiment of certain patterns of change yeah. So I'll be curious to ask <laughs> you questions about that as well. <laughs> We're there right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you want to, you have 15 minutes of asking me whatever you want to ask me now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been curious about you and the internal family systems uh, pursuit and all the creative, really interesting creative work that you've done with that and, and, and the very smart ways that you've been um, figuring out to convey that. And, and one of my questions is, um, what's the, the heart intention in you? Um, what will make you, what or does make you feel you've, this is really what you wanted to do and it's working? What are the signals that 
make you feel, yeah, this is it. I'm doing my thing and it's working. Mm. In regard to this work that you've been pushing out. That's um, not a, not a clear cut, simple question. Um, I want to answer that with two points because I think it's very different regarding the videos I'm making and the, the kind of groups and sessions I'm, I'm leading. So for the videos, my, my main, um, my main motivation is that I want to make it as approachable as possible. And when I have the sense that I've, simplified things as much as I can, then I'm actually fulfilled. Because I think a lot of the times we explain things in a way that makes it difficult to get the experience in something. And I try to make the concepts as simple as possible and to convey that experience. So that's what what fulfills me about videos, which is why I'm also really working on how can I use drawings and figures and all of this in, in my videos, because I think I can often say a hundred times more with a really simple sketch than I can with a thousand words. So, so that's for my videos. It's really that simplicity for my work. I have the sense that there are, there are a couple of experiences that I think people can have quite readily with, with the internal family system that I find so foundational and so shifting that whenever people have those experiences, I'm just happy. I'm just happy when they have that. And that has a lot to do with um, what, what internal family system would call unblending, for instance. So somebody is really identified with a part and they have that experience of the part steps away and the part is still there, but suddenly the way they are in connection with it is completely different. And there is a presence that wasn't there a second ago, but that feels absolutely natural. And when they've had that experience a couple of times and they kind of realize, oh, that seems to be possible rather often. And there is this, IFS calls itself, I would personally say, that's very close to, I think, what you call soul. There is this soul that's there. And when people get that, that that's there and that the parts can step aside and that if the parts step aside, suddenly they have capacities of dealing with them. That just makes me so happy because in my sense that empowers them 
to um, to then interact with themselves in a different way where they're not dependent on me, but they realize they have that place in them. So I think in one way that's really core. Yeah, yeah. So, so do, you, do you usually give a name to this um, stance that people align to? Do you, do you have your own ways of naming that? So this, is, this, this goes very close to the question I had about archetypes for you. Because um, so, so I, whenever I have people who don't really have a word for it, I just use that word self because I think it's pretty neutral. It's, it doesn't have a whole lot of baggage compared to if you call it soul or whatever. There's a lot more just cultural connections that I don't actually want to bring in because I think for me, it's much more powerful when people can make their own experience with what is this? This somehow feels like me, but what am I? Who? I think there are so many questions that open up when we have that experience. So I try to really put as little theory or as little concept into that and rather open it up to so what is this? Um, another experience is that I actually think usually when people have that experience, it's not, it's not just neutral or it's not just nothing or something, but it's, it usually has a very clear quality to it. So I do think that, um, also depending on the experience a person has, they may experience something like essential power or essential calmness or essential compassion. And to then actually um, name that in a way, but also allow people to somatically experience that and to let that really, um, settle into their bodies. That's what I find more important or much more important than putting a theory on it. So this is yourself and this, so that I'm much more into how, how do you experience this? And when you experience yourself like this, how is that? Mm. Yeah. And so in some ways, every session, um, whatever theme is being worked through in some kind of way leads people back to this center place again well, and again. Um, not every session. That would be, that would be a, a lie if I say I, I get there every single session. But in my experience, quite a good percentage of the sessions I lead at least have moments of that and sometimes long moments of that. And, and so then I'll bring the question that I had from the other conversation in. 
in what kind of process do you find that this ability to to grow into alignment with one's self grows and becomes more embodied on a, an ongoing basis. How do you see that happening with uh, clients and people? I think there are, there is not just one process or one path. I think there are, depending on people, there are very different kind of journeys they have. I find that sometimes it's really, they've, they've had an old trauma or emotional baggage from childhood. And if that gets healed, there is something that's freed up and that space can kind of naturally fill with, with that essence or that self. And um, that's then just there sometimes. And sometimes it, it's really one experience where something gets healed and afterwards something that wasn't there before is there. And that doesn't mean it's fully, fully embodied, fully there, but it's, there's kind of a taste there. And if we pay attention to that taste, that can actually spread. And here I'm back with your symbol, something is there and then it can spread. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I sometimes actually find it that um, it's really a more, more psychological change at first. So that rather than there is one a big shift or one transformational shift there is there are more subtle steps and through these steps parts don't heal at once but they relax a little and a little more and a little more and a little more and it might just be they they relax one percent at a time but through that relaxation a little more space and a little more centering and grounding can be there at a time. And that leads to more and more over time. So, um, and sometimes I actually find it that people work towards a goal and just in their pursuit of their own goal, they, they, they embody more and more of what's needed to reach that goal. And it's kind of like a, it's less of a healing and it's more of a cultivation that, that happens. So I think there are very many different ways that, that that can happen. But it's usually for me this, um, that, that the, the place they live from starts to ground more and more into self so that something settles into their true being more. And for that, often parts need to relax because otherwise they're constantly like, ah, no, and that doesn't necessarily help. Mm. Yeah, I love the way you articulated this and it's such a, you know, coming from a different approach, 
that has so many similarities in its understanding that it's a very organic process and it so much depends on each journey and what is being worked through. But this uh, beautiful um, way of seeing this process of wholeness gradually um, unfolding and, and this integration, this reintegration gradually happening um, very much matches what I'm used to observing in people's journeys uh, through the work that I do in, in my, in the approach that I take. So I love to, to hear how you've been seeing it from your perspective and and it's just such a a beautiful way of looking at it in how you illustrate and describe it and so in this way would you say that the videos help as almost like to alphabetize anyone including your clients into understanding these different parts the fact that our psyche is made of these different internal characters and so the videos would be kind of a vocabulary let's say i um, i do i do hope so and i and i think at least for me that's the feedback i've been getting through personal messages and comments a lot i I think the, the story we tell ourselves about ourselves and how we function and all of that are incredibly important. Um, and whether we have a coherent story or not, for instance, for now I feel like this, now I feel like that, what happened? What happened between these two, two states? Um, I think makes a big difference how I can relate to that and how I can stay, how I can take action, for instance. And the kind of image I have of my own parts, whether I say, oh, this part is just trying to, um, trying to manipulate me and trying to, uh, trying to undermine me, or if I say, oh, this part is trying to protect me but maybe the strategies it's using are not that smart have actually a really big impact on how I will relate to my own experience. So I think the, 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 the possibility to have more compassionate um, perspectives on our psyche is really important because there's so much, and this was also one of my motivations because there are so many um, kind of um, underlying theories of our psyche that's looking at us as, or looking at it as not very nice or not very helpful or not very um, smart, which I think couldn't be further from the truth. And now you stop moving. That me. leads me to to so fifteen minutes are up. By the way, great. It goes right. fast, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. But, but if you still have one question, I'm happy to listen to it. I love it. No, no. That. I just wanted to <laughs> say that that this leads me to want to have further conversations. So <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. Okay. Yeah. Glad glad to hear that. And if it's okay, because it seems like a pretty natural place to me to go into one thing I'm thinking about quite a bit, um, which relates to what you were asking about with how I look at the growth process. Um, because I have a few places where I've, I'm really wrestling with the internal family system understanding of the psyche and where I look at things quite differently. So where I have the sense that, so I've called my work the unfolding self. That's the, that's the name I've given it, which comes from this deep understanding in me that I think our self is not this unchanging thing or that our soul or whatever is, is just the same all the time, but rather that it's its own growing and unfolding entity that we as a being are evolving and we are kind of claiming different aspects of ourself and of our soul and the way i'm trying to and i'm and i'm really grappling with this because i'm actually trying to write about this right now um the the way i'm trying to um put that into words is that IFS as a therapy seems to really look at the self more as a tool. It's this perspective of, oh, do you have enough presence right now so that we can do the work we're here to do, which is healing these parts. And I think that's one very valid perspective. It's there is a part in need. We want to help that part to do that. I need to be in a certain state. So I got to make sure that I am. And when I'm in that state, cool, I can help this part. Like I, I get the internal logic of that. But I also, yeah. I'd like to ask a question. So in, in what you're describing, would that be a, a little bit of a mechanistic approach to it? And this is the place where I'm still wrestling because at least the way I've been taught it in my training, it, there is that taste. I, I think it's, it's not necessarily in the view, but the way I've seen demo sessions being done, that can be a, kind of a bitter taste I'm less left with in my mouth. And, and I, can, I can even get that perspective. I have a few clients where I'm like, great, when we have enough presence, there are parts that really need our help. And I can kind of get this. We're in a place now where we can do something. A perspective. But I also feel that it's missing something that's so dear to my heart, which is this. I think that the self is actually the deepest resource and the deepest meaning and the deepest healing i think for all these words the, 
the deepest place at least I know is when myself is unfolding, when I'm uncovering or discovering or claiming a different aspect of me that was kind of crushed or maybe overlooked or lost before. And it's also a way in which I notice that I have an emphasis on that in my sessions and in my courses that, um, that seems to be a little bit outside of the regular IFS therapy perspective. So I really have this love for the unfolding of, our, of the self in a way. Mm, I love the way you phrased it. I really have this love for the unfolding of the self. Yeah. It's good to underscore that piece. So in which way do you see that the original framework does not contemplate the unfolding of the self? How, how is it usually seen within that original framework that you're kind of diverging from? And, and that's, that's one of the places where I still feel least um, confident in making a clear claim because I don't want to ascribe maybe something that I misunderstood to the teaching. Um, but at least in the way it's been taught to me and in the way I've read it in the books I, I could find until now. Um, I am going to have, a, have a, at least a seminar on it pretty soon. So I'm very, very interested to see if I learn something different there that actually changes my perspective. But um, there are two things that make me really think. The one, the one is that the way they talk about the self seems to be like it's unchanging. And, and, I, and, I, and I get that because there are multiple spiritual traditions who have this idea that the self is unchanging. And I even get it because I have certain experiences where it's like when I connect to this aspect of myself, there is a, there is a sense of timelessness and, if, and as if it's unchanging. But there is an other aspect of it where it feels incredibly dynamic and growing and like there is a, there's even a, its own um, desire is the wrong word, but there seems to be a, a a purpose in the growth of the self, of the soul, that, that I value that, and that I, that I don't want to kind of bracket or that I actually think is the deepest thing I could ever offer to anybody and in one way I, it's never me who's offering that it's grace if, it, if that's happening but if I can create a setting in which that can happen that seems to be the deepest meaning I have for the work I can do.
I think that's fascinating because it's almost like the that moment of awe that I was describing to you. Uh, and it makes me think that, um, and I'm just going to put that in a very short thing to help you in your thinking. I'm, I'm very it happy. Makes, it makes me remember that recently I started reading um, Rupert Sheldrake's book, um, The Presence of the Past, and that in, in the framework that he brings forth, he talks about this polarity between the principles of scientific knowledge that see uh, the universe as fixed and not mutable, and it's only parts that are changing, you know, place, let's say, but everything is fixed and unchangeable versus an evolutionary universe that has a purpose. And, and he shows how all the different approaches of science are still grappling with this polarity. In some ways, they're saying, oh, it's fixed. And the other ways, they're saying it's evolving. And they try to have their foot on both sides. But each perspective is very different. So just throwing that in to in, your in thinking. A, in a way, it's again that the, this point of there are different truths and they may not agree, but they're both true. Yeah, but this evolving universe is ensouled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things that just reminded me of is um, I've never been a big uh, Rudolf Steiner fan or something like that, but he has a few pieces of writing where he writes about the dangers of science to pretend like the world as it is now is the same as the world as it was 50,000 years ago and where he would even say there were different natural laws, time worked differently, space worked differently. He would say these things evolve over time as well. So he was very much on the side of, we pretend like we can just be like, oh yeah, the dinosaurs, they lived this and this long. We don't even understand how the world was back then. So that, that's just what it reminded me of. But what I, what I like about what you share is kind of another line of thinking I'm on. I'm really trying to not just, so, so I've, I've dove very deeply into this internal family system model and it's given me a lot, but it's also kind of left, left me with a lot of questions. So one of the things I'm doing right now is trying to get a clear, like a really scientifically based understanding of how does cognitive science look at the mind and consciousness and all of that kind of building my second base of psychology more strongly again. And they, the way they look at consciousness, I'm, it makes me like, Oh, every time because they, they look at, okay, what can we measure about consciousness? Okay. Consciousness, but there's also, they have found out things that make, that make so much sense 
that I've never found expressed as clearly in, in other places, for instance. So, but it's again, it's this trying to really find a map that makes sense for me and that I can share with others so they can make sense of themselves. But having this map in a way of both being precise and being ensouled. And I think that's such a, it's such a tricky mixture to have these two. Because the more mystical it gets, the less, the less language works. <laughs> and the more, the more we try to put things into very clear categories, the more it's dead. And where is, where is the, where is the meeting point? Mm. Yes, that is beautiful that you're working towards that um, stance in which there is clarity, there is, um, there are tools that allow people to, to work and understand. And at the same time, there is this bigger meaning and this uh, evolutionary process that has deeper intentions and there is some mystery in that discovery that is ever unfolding. Yeah, I think if we, if we leave that out, we're leaving out a core of what it means to be human. And, and yeah, I find myself kind of, it's like I change my weight and I have times when I'm more like, ah, oh, fuck science. It's all about the exploration. And then I'm like, nah, well, actually, this is pretty smart as well. <laughs> and then I, so I, I keep changing my weight. Um, but yeah, it brings me back to this point of um, how to have a clear process with clear tools and clear perspectives where the, where the self is a part of that. And where the self is kind of a, a necessary part of the process, because without me being present, all of these great tools I may have, I can't actually use. So in one way, it's like a, it's a, it's a foundation, but it's, but to also allow that it can't just be a foundation because it's so much more. It's, it's also the space that everything is happening in. So how do we, it, yeah, it's, I think what I'm getting to while talking to you is I'm trying to, to um, account for these different perspectives and these different kind of um, experiences and to, where, where it sometimes makes sense to emphasize one a little bit more. Maybe sometimes it makes sense to be like, okay, let's be really mechanistic. This is how you do it. But then to also be clear on, and that's not everything. There's also this other side. Yeah, I have a, a, the teacher who trained me in voice dialogue. He says, well, it's a model, you know, every model 
is a model. It's, it isn't really the reality, but it works. <laughs> you know, we can use it and it works. And, and yet there's something that transcends it and there's the mystery. But okay, let's test and use this model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know your, your biggest, I can sense that your biggest calling now is to expand in this understanding of what self that holds all of this in this dynamic evolving process you're you're yearning to to create some ways of conveying or some model that is more comprehensive expansive and evolutionary on describing self as the space holder for all the and as whatever else there is there so i'm fascinated by how you're articulating this and studying this and yeah it's definitely a path and i'm really trying to have it be non-woo-woo but actually open to people who are coming from a scientific perspective because i I really value that. And I think it's so necessary that these worlds don't stay separate, but that where it's, oh, it's all consciousness, whoop-de-doo-be-doo, but where, where these two worlds really meet. And I can say, yeah, this is where we can use this model of the unconscious, and then we can explain these and these and these phenomena, and there's this. <laughs> So that's, that's what I'm very drawn to. And I know that that's going to be a long journey until I can bring those things together in a, in a way that satisfies me. But I'm taking it step by step. Yeah, well, I really offer you to count on me as a bouncing <laughs> of thoughts person because that is um, really an approach that fascinates me. I'm, I come from... Uh, a family of scientists and, and artists. So it's this, oh. you know, bridge between. Um, I mean, it seems like you found the place in between with the flower essences. It's, it's, I imagine that's really both science and art in one. Well, I and mean, some might say it's woo-woo, but then when you're able to articulate in a language that doesn't feel like that here in the United States, there's this spiritual bypass expression, which I think is very appropriate. And there's so much of that going on in the language of the approaches that are just, oh, we're just clearing this. And Mm -hmm. now we're doing this method and we're clearing all the blockages and it's all all gone now. And uh (laughs) uh-huh. Are you sure? <laughs> but yeah, I resonate with that one. That's, it's, it's one of those places that I really feel in, I can feel in conflict with because I can often, um, I can even on one level get the, the truth of it. And I'm like, and it doesn't work like that. And it, it's, it's not that easy. It's, it, it, in a way, it's, it's a lot more uh, 
fundamental and much more it goes so much deeper and that and that takes discipline and grace and all of these things it's not just oh i'll just clear all my chakras great <laughs> yeah. that, that was also my time um thank you very very much for listening to me oh that was a pleasure it was great and i'm intrigued and want to follow <laughs> you're yeah. so welcome so i'm gonna finish this recording now you never you never know what's around